This is the Keeping Up With The Homesies podcast, a podcast where we explore how we can create homes that feel authentic to who we are instead of basing it on some perceived outside ideal or approval. I believe that for us to be able to show up in the world as our true selves, we must first do so in our home. Yet so many of us, me included, can get so caught up with all the things we think are expected of us that it's easy to lose sight of who we are. And so many of us might have also lost track of ourselves when it comes to our own homes, trying to find that perfect place to call home or create homes that look a certain way and if we're not living up to it, we might feel like we are failing somehow. So on this podcast, I'm on a journey to explore how we can learn to live a life inward out rather than outward in, not taking action based on outside ideal or approval, but strive only for what feels good on the inside. It is what I like to call being a homesy. Learning to let our true self shine, beginning at home. Hey, and welcome to a new episode of Keeping Up With The Homesies podcast. Today, I am talking to a fellow interior designer, Sarah Kostelnik. She's also a feng shui consultant. Uh, and Sarah is the founder of Jade Scott Design, an interior design studio based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Sarah works alongside her clients intentionally to create elemental spaces that support the mind, body, and home, utilizing the timeless philosophy of feng shui. And Sarah is also the host of the Living Elemental podcast, where she educates and inspires others to curate a life through the lens of their living spaces. And she's also a senior faculty member at the Intuition Lab. So without further ado, here is Sarah. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I think we have a really good conversation lined up for today. So excited. Yes. I'm excited <laughs> as well. I know for sure I have so many questions <laughs> that I think you're going to have to come back another time because okay. we will not be able to cover <laughs> everything. But before we jump in, I would like you to talk a little bit about what home means to you and if that has perhaps changed over time. Yeah, of course. It's definitely changed over the years. And what I like to say now that I really understand the energetics of home, I like to say that home is kind of like my collaborative co-creator in life, right? Because now that I know that our home is a direct reflection of what's going on in our life, and I have the tools to kind of work with that, I can really use my home to support me in whatever I'm going through or whatever I'm trying to get to or how things in my life might be feeling blocked. I have like this energetic map that I can look at and see, okay, what's playing out here in the space that I can start to kind of unravel a little bit and what can I become aware of? So that's what I love about feng shui or just the home's energy beyond aesthetics is there's there's literal tools, there's tangible tools you can use to kind of unravel some of this stuff that's going on. It certainly has changed. My path to home ownership has been a little rocky. You know, I bought a house really young. I was like 22 or 23 years old and didn't know what I was doing. And I ended up buying like a money pit. And I bought in 2007, like the year before the housing market crash, you know, like my county where I lived in Florida was like number two on the list of worst affected, you know, counties for the housing crisis bubble. So that particular situation brought up a lot, you know, in my life about 
my financial blocks and was I worthy? Why does this always happen? Right. And so even though that was almost 20 years ago, I could see how it was starting to kind of put me on this path of really understanding energy and how, you know, it plays out through our spaces. Um, even though feng shui in particular was not anywhere on my radar at that time. I was, like I said, I was in my young 20s. I wasn't even in home design. Like everything was very different then. But looking back at it retrospectively, I had a very different view of home and what that meant. And yeah, so now I'm happy to be where I'm at because now it's just I co-create with it. Right. But it's also it's um, I think like all the experience that we have in life really sets us on our path, all those things that happened to you and, and all the obstacles really like informed you maybe like forward and, and really added to that. So yeah. in that sense also so many times we, we can feel like upset about the past, but if we yeah stop to look at the past and see like that actually all happened for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and you don't, you yeah. certainly don't recognize it in the moment, no, right? No. It's all retrospective, no. yeah. right? You're exactly. like, oh, now I see why yeah. that happened, yeah. right? But it sucks um, in the moment. <laughs> in the moment, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Like, how did you get into home design? Because you weren't, you were in like tech before, mm -hmm. like totally not anything to do with yeah, home totally design so nothing so how 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 did you found because you're like you know a career changer as I am as well you know we mm -hmm. found our path into interior design much later after another career so how did you find that like get into that and and did feng shui like was that with you from the beginning or was that started with you know traditional you no know, interior design and then you found feng shui or how how did those paths cross yeah or, yeah, so like you mentioned, I was doing um, cubicle work for my previous career, and I was in healthcare. I worked clinically, like on the floor with patients for a good decade, and then I transitioned into um, project management and IT, where I was testing software applications. And it was really the whole like once hospitals started like going digital with records and radiology images that I kind of transitioned into that field. And a lot of my work was that it was testing software and sitting in a cube, just pounding away. And that was really boring to me. And I didn't, I didn't like it, right. And I started questioning, okay, I'm getting really like stagnant, like complacent, like a lot, I, I need to move. And whereas when I was working with patients, I was always on the move, you know, walking around the hospital, constantly moving and going. Um, so I quickly realized cubicle life was not for me. <laughs> and even though I did that for a good 10 years, and I am appreciative of it now, and have, you know, certainly collaborated and worked with really amazing people, people I still call friends to this day, um, I really was craving something more creative. And so I started looking at, okay, what can I try on the side that feels creative or get me out of this rut, right? And that's what I did. I kind of went back and said, okay, what did I enjoy as a child? Like, what did I really like get into? And I, I started writing down a few things and interior design came up and it's interesting because it came up for, in a few different ways. I really remember, I feel like it's very cliche as a designer to say, oh, I remember rearranging my space in my bedroom and, you know, of course. <laughs> Me too. Right, right. All I the think time. we all say that, yeah. right? But I mean, I think human beings just do that in general. I mean, my mom did that, but she wasn't, you know, she didn't pursue a, a job in interior design, right? Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, I mean, that's a memory. I always remembered getting like catalogs and I would make little vision boards for my room. Like this is the bedding that I want. And oh, I like this artwork and what about, you know, this new dresser. So I was already like creating design boards at a very young age. And this was the time, um, too, that in the United States, there was, um, it was called Home Interiors, but it was like a catalog thing, and you would have parties, mm. and you would host a party, and they would have, like, candles, and they would have, like, candle holders and artwork. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, my, Tupperware parties. But with, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so my family, for a long time, they were all, like, rotating, being the host. And so we did a lot yeah. of that. And I, I loved that. I always thought that was fun and cool, and I would love when all the, the shipment would come in and I'd kind of go through everything and organize it and like, oh, this goes to aunt so-and-so and this is going, you know, so <laughs> I dabbled in interior design very young. Um, so that's what brought me back to, and, and I remember having great joy about that. So I was like, well, let's do that. So I started quickly with, my husband was shooting MLS photography for a local real estate agent who was also investing and flipping properties in our area. And I said, hey, let him know if he's ever needs help picking out paint and flooring, like, I'll do that, you know, so I did that for a while and quickly realized there's, you know, that's not the path that I really want to take. I really want to get more, you know, working with people and not just the house. I want to work with people, right? Because you didn't really work with the clients. You just worked with the real estate agent and then the house was on the market and that was it. So I really wanted to get more intimate with working with clients. And um, so I did. So I just kind of started this business and I was like, I could do this. And that's kind of typical of me. I'm a very wood element, kind of like forge my own path. <laughs> and um, so I did. I, I just started this business and I just put myself out there. And I mean, I was charging like $500 to do like a kitchen renovation. <laughs> like It was yeah. crazy. You know, I was like charging peanuts. And people yeah. were like, this is nuts. Like, sure, you can renovate my kitchen. So that's pretty much how I started. And I think we all undercharge yeah. in the beginning because we're just yeah. like, we're just happy to be doing it. <laughs> exactly. Like, do exactly. It like I would do like big like design concepts and drawings, everything for my friends, like hours and hours and hours and I wouldn't charge anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, like totally relate. Uh, yeah. Um, but then I quickly realized, okay, if I'm going to turn this into a business, like I've got to get some business education. So mm -hmm. I did that and I hired a coach and kind of went through, got like a lot of systems in place. And what I found was really interesting was even though I was going down that, you know, path, that kind of trajectory of doing it the way like it's always been done, minus the mm -hmm. design education, right? That was the only thing I was missing. But at the same time, I was struggling with that. Like, are people going to take me seriously? Like, I don't have a design background. I don't have a degree. I'm kind of mm -hmm. like just through this business together, you know, and I had to really break through a lot of that. And that's so hiring the coaching really helped me with that, because I think that's a path for a lot of designers today is yeah. there is no secondary education. It's a very creative field where you can bring, you know, your vision and your gifts without, you know, the education. And even those designers that did go to university and get, you know, degrees in that are like, I use about 10% of what I was taught in design school, right? It's boots mm -hmm. on the ground. That's how you learn. Yeah. And so I had to kind of break free, free from that. And I did. And when I was working with this coach, I invested all this money into her program, took the program, and then I was like starting to think to myself, I don't know if I want to do design anymore. <laughs> and I was like on this path of quitting my corporate job. I have this business now for at the time was probably three and a half, four years. And I was like, okay, this can't be like, like what is happening? Like 
this is what I thought I wanted. <laughs> and now I'm thinking it's not. And I kind of had this pattern where I always like to be doing something new. And I was like, am I just getting bored with this already? And I really just had to sit down with that again. And I realized, no, it's just something is still kind of missing. There's like a puzzle piece that's not here. And so at the same time that I'm building this business, I'm also kind of on this self-development journey, right? I'm reading all the metaphysical books. I'm reading all the you know, <laughs> spiritual awakening books that you can get your hands on, all the big ones, all the little ones. And I realized I was obsessed with that material and energy and vibration and how it all works, right? And so I would say to my husband, if I could combine interior design with like metaphysics and, you know, spiritual development, like that would be awesome. And so that's enter in feng shui. That's really how it all came together. And it was, it wasn't until COVID hit that I really started um, playing around with feng shui. Like just, you know, I read a couple books and I was like, okay, let's see what happens here. And it really started, it really changed my life and um, opened my eyes to a lot of things that were playing out in my home that were obvious at first because you kind of go through some things you're like oh, okay I could see that and then once something big hits you're like oh my god right and then once you're excited <laughs> about something you're like I gotta yeah. it's like it's like when you read your first metaphysical book you're like everybody yeah. needs to know this right you kind of freak out a little bit so that's what happened that's how I got here so now I feel like I have found my puzzle piece and things feel aligned and, you know, I'm putting myself out there for a long time in design. I didn't because I didn't feel aligned with the designs I was doing and the mm -hmm. clients I was serving. Like I was just doing what I thought I should do and not yeah. what felt true to me. So. Yes, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, definitely had that path as well. And I even had like, I went to design school and even after going, like I felt, you know, like I don't have a ton of experience, you know, like I don't have all the fancy pictures and, you know, like, you know, so either way you struggle in the beginning feeling like imposter syndrome, like yep. who am I to be like, and I had this really strong idea also about how an interior designer looked and I felt like I didn't fit the mold, you know, like I always, you know, interior designer, they're like calm, cool, collected, trendy. And I'm just like, loud and all over the place. <laughs> I'm just like, not that at all. And I felt like yeah. I'm just like, I'm not like those. But I also realized like I kind of had like an image in my head from like the design shows, I guess. And I <laughs> very neutral. Very, yeah. Yeah. And definitely like all feeling like the home, like the traditional home design, like wanted, like I didn't know any other way than just start to design for other people. Although I felt like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah. feel that too. Like even in my own home, yeah. you know, there are things that I'm like, okay, I do interior design as a business, but like my home is not designed yeah. by an interior designer, right? Yeah. <laughs> I struggled with that too. I mean, talk about yeah. imposter syndrome, right? And I had to break through that too. And that's really what this, in fact, one of the coach I was referencing, I mean, that's something she pointed out is like, mm -hmm. you have to change, you have to shift, like you are not your client, right? Yeah. And that's so true for any profession, mm -hmm. right? It's like the contractor whose house is always in renovation because yeah. he's working. And the last thing yeah. he wants to do when he comes home is work yeah. on his own home. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to push through that too. Cause I was like, yeah. you know, for a long time, my house, I wanted it to look a certain way. And it was mm -hmm. like disappointing if it didn't. And yeah. how can I showcase my, my skills and my work if 
I don't have the budget or I don't have, you know, the means to, to do my house the way a designer should. So exactly. Totally relate to that. Totally relate to that. Yeah. 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 And I think it's funny though, because people expect if you're an interior designer, like, like I have had comments like, Oh, your house, you, you know, your home must be so perfect. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, home is also like set up in a way that it's, you know, kid safe because I will not be the one who's going to be stressed out about if something spills or something like that. But but definitely like it's funny that there's all these like ideas and about that. So uh, I really wanted to jump into feng shui because that's also something like I've been super interested in. And I, did you just study that by yourself? Or did you like go you know, some kind of certification, yeah, Yeah. certification to be doing that. Like, how did you do that? Yeah, exactly that. I just, um, well, like I said, I started reading just some feng shui books. Mm -hmm. Um, and particularly I resonated a lot because there's a lot of different schools of thought on feng shui, which means, um, you know, there's form school, there's compass school, there's BTB, which is what I practice. So you want to find something that kind of resonates with you. And some are going to be very regimented in like, the culture, right? Mm-hmm. And the ancient wisdom that gets passed down. And some are a little bit more flexible, a little bit more mm-hmm. tailored to a modern environment, which I believe is is the BTB practice, which I okay. which I practice because that really only came to the States, I say recently, but like in the 1980s is really when it kind of came over this way. And it really was tailored in a way that could support people in a more modern environment, right? Because 5,000 years ago when feng shui existed, like we didn't even have bathrooms inside homes, right? It's Mm -hmm. just a very different environment than what we live with today. There's a lot more people. You're in like, Mm -hmm. you know, tight neighborhoods, right? So it looks, you know, we do work with kind of the exterior of spaces, but it's a a heavier focus is on the interiors. Whereas, you know, more anciently, it was, you know, the exterior and how it sat on a piece of property, you know, what direction it was facing, things like that. And your pathway and your door. and Because I've been reading some mm-hmm. also. And I, immediately I'm thinking like, what do you do if you don't live in a house? Like you don't have your own like garden, exactly. like front yard, you know, like living in like an apartment building. <laughs> then, right. You know, well, that's, and that's do? the beauty of yeah. feng shui because there are literal tangible things you could do to make adjustments. But there's also feng shui speaks a lot in metaphors. So you can use a lot of elements, metaphorically speaking. A great example is like artwork. Like if we need to bring in a certain element, we don't need to like just say fire. We don't need to bring the only place. Yeah, you don't have to have a fireplace, but you can hang something that, you know, is representative of fire through the use of color or shape or other things. So there's a lot of metaphor playing around that you can do as well. Um, but yeah, you would just, you, it's, it's really just a matter of getting certified. There are, you know, different school schools as well, as far as like program length can kind of started with the basic principles Mm -hmm. and found, okay, well, I'm kind of interested in this and I'm kind of, you know, and then you just, you keep adding on to it. So it's a really nice, um, way to, to just start small and keep building upon. Uh, you mentioned already, like in passing, that you're a wood element, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought like we could talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that because I mean, from what I've understood, like feng shui is all about the elements. But also, like we've talked, like just full disclosure, we've chatted before with Sarah <laughs> before <laughs> this and connected, and 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 what we both share in common is the idea that we should design homes, you know, that are true to ourselves and 
stop looking to the outside for mm-hmm. i mean we can look for inspiration and ideas but we shouldn't be like creating a home based on some perceived idea of what you know designed home looks like or the perfect home like we were talking about er- earlier also like mm-hmm. there might be a lot of <laughs> you know ideas about how a home should look like you know an interior designer's home should look like but a lot of the times also it can be hard uh, even when you want to create a home that feels true to yourself if you don't really know what that is like who you are like mm-hmm. how can feng shui help you or, or can feng shui help you figuring yeah. out and bringing those you know things into your home so yeah the elements it, and all it that. totally can yeah and i mean the elements are just really one aspect of our consultation toolkit you know I'll, I'll say it that way i guess but the elements are really found in everything everything that we do it, it, it is the natural cycle of life found in nature found in our personalities our relationships um, to ourselves and to others and we're born really with um, a dominant element we have we embody all of them just like everything but you know, you usually have a dominant one or two. And that's why I say I'm, I'm a wood element because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of that visionary. I'm very action driven. I, you know, I kind of lead the way, you know, anyone who is, you know, sharing, leading, teaching, those are kind of wood elements. And um, they, they tend to come up with ideas and concepts and they want to like take off with them. Right. But the main, the, the core concept in the, in the, five elements found in Taoism is that they all work together in a cycle. And whereas, excuse me, like the other elements, like in Vedic traditions or, you know, astrology astrology, um, types of elements, you know, there's only the four that they talk about. Those don't really have that uh, cycle uh, appeal to them. So that's really the primary difference when we're talking about the five elements. And so even though if if you are a dominant in one, once you know that you, you have the, the, primary goal is to maintain balance. So even in a space, the goal is to not be dominant in one element, but to make sure there's a nice balance of all of them, right? So, you know, fire types, they're your extroverts, they're always go, 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 lots of energy, lots of joy, they love being seen, they love being heard, you know, they're the loudest person in the room sometimes, right? Um, So someone like that, to balance them, you know, their home space might need to be very like relaxing vibe, right? Because 90% 90% of their day, they're go, go, go. And so when they come home, they need a little bit more calm energy to kind of bring them back down. And um, so that's like a really great example of how understanding your personality type in the elements and how you can kind of infuse the balance of that in your home. So a lot of people will say, like you said, coming to the idea that I don't know what I want for my house. Like here's a, here's a few Pinterest images and I like this, but I'm not creative. Right. Or I'm not, um, I don't have a creative bone. Right. And a lot of people believe that about themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they think that, you know, vision is hard for them to see and, you know, they don't feel as they're creative. And so I'm building that now for, you know, how I onboard clients is really, yeah, you are creative. You just don't know how to express it because we're all creative, all of us. Um, You know, you just don't know how to express it. And so rather than looking for inspiration as a, such as a photo and saying, this is what I want. I always tell clients, let's talk about how you want to feel, right? Mm -hmm. When you come home from work, what's the feeling that you want to invoke? 
um, you know, what's, what's your activities like? Are you like us, like busy moms with kids and activities and it's just constant go, go, go all the time? Like once it's like eight o'clock hits, like what's the feeling you want to invoke? Or Saturday morning, what's the feeling you want to invoke? So it's really about getting very specific about how, like I said in the beginning, how do you want your home to support you? Because that's really what it can do for you, right? And just having a little more conscious respect for your home too, I think is important, you know, because it really is this co-creative balance. You know, your home, your home can support you if you are supportive of it and you are respectful of it and you treat it you know, as that support in your life, really getting clients to kind of step out of the Pinterest box, right? And take some time to really think about, well, how do I want to feel? Or how do I feel now? What is frustrating me about my home or this room or, you know, even a certain area in your life? Because the the home represents, you know, eight areas of your life and, um, you know, what's working for you and what's not. You know, and when I do a consultation, I can see that right away. I can see rooms that are orderly and finished that that person's area of life that's reflected in that that part of their home is good. Right. It's the other houses. You know, we I think we talked about when you go on a consultation, there's a lot of shame. People are like embarrassed, like, yeah. oh, my house. No, please don't look over here, over there. But it's like, yeah. that's, that's where I want to look because yeah. <laughs> that's what we need to address. Right. Um so yeah, just really allowing like intuition to play into it. I, I really try to, without, you know, quote unquote, teaching someone how to cultivate their intuition, but really just, you know, starting to integrate some concepts that are tangible for them to, to, to sit down with themselves or their partner and their family and say, what do we want in this product? Like, how do we want to feel? That's the biggest mm -hmm. thing is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always say as well. It's like feeling the mood of that the, mm -hmm. the house how do you want it to feel that kind of guides all the decisions that's the basis like always go back to like when in doubt <laughs> like should yeah. I do this or should, should I do that like always go back to that those adjectives or whatever like that right. you set for yourself like what's the mood yeah what, what would reflect that in the best way and I mean, I, you know, I'm definitely not dogging Pinterest or any, you know, house workbooks or anything like that. I think they're great tools because sometimes clients, you know, they might not, you know, yes, they might not know how to express their creative vision. So it's a great tool for them to use exactly. that and say, yeah. yeah, I, you know, I'm really drawn to these colors or I'm really mm -hmm. drawn to, you know, these patterns or I do not like that. You know, yeah. people <laughs> tend to know what they don't like more than they know what they do like. So if you yeah. can pull out some things that okay what do you not like about this that kind of like goes through the process of elimination for them too so working in a way kind of the opposite of yeah. what you like works yeah yeah pictures are definitely good for that like mm -hmm. yeah like not copying like that's what I want to do like rather just like look at the pictures pick out the details like mm -hmm. learn how to like understand like you said like your likes and dislikes and right. it might be easier through a visual image mm -hmm. than just, you know, think about it, you know, from the top of your head. Um, so, but how do you like, one thing that I wanted to go back a little bit, you were saying like fire people, like I really like go, 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 you mm -hmm. know, and, and once they come home, like that could be like a good, like to find that balance to have like more, like maybe uh, <clears throat> muted colors or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of times also when it comes to colors, I feel like some of the advice might be, the other way around like if your personality is like really like go 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 outgoing like you're very extra you might 
also like enjoy a home with a lots of colors with that energy you know that mm-hmm. embodies you and vice versa if you're like kind of like a calm like maybe introverted whatever like then you'd probably enjoy a home with more muted down to earth color but in feng shui it's the balance should be the other way or, or how would yeah you? it's not really the other way it's just making sure that it feels balanced so even mm-hmm. though you're a fire energy you probably are drawn because we are when we're talking about our home and our and our decorative choices we are drawn to what we're comfortable with so it's really important to recognize okay if i'm a you know metal element i'm probably drawn to all white chrome finishes very modern aesthetic no clutter everything is labeled everything is organized and that's it okay that's fine and that's good that you recognize your metal element and i like modern clean aesthetics too right but the over when when a metal element personality is out of balance they almost become too rigid in mm-hmm. their process in their thinking in their living so it's then recognizing okay it's a little too metal in here right so it's okay to be drawn to that your natural you know aesthetic that mm-hmm. associates to your element but recognizing also that when you're out of balance this is what shows up you know again like i said rigid thinking you have you know nope it's not coming in here this is the way it's going to look right and for relationships especially you know elements you know partners living together like that's you know <laughs> typically you know it's not usually a metal and a metal because most of the time opposites attract right so yeah. you're going to have an opposing element that you probably partner up with um so understanding that their their needs also need to be met so sometimes metal elements one of their common like overbalancing attribute is that they're very rigid and it, it can cause some strain in a relationship too um so you know you want to bring in some wood and some water and even fire a little bit just to bring in like a little bit more warmth because if you think of the metals you think of like white you think of metal chrome that's very like cool right so just warming up the space a little bit can be beneficial so that's a good um example of how an overbalance can really affect your space and uh, you know in a personality it's interesting also like you said talking about the metal personality or the <clears throat> metal element like they are very like organized and all that mm-hmm. and that's also something that i've been like thinking about a lot with the whole like organizing decluttering organizing trend that's been mm-hmm. going on for you know a long time now and while i mean decluttering is is certainly like a good thing like we all need to declutter and and the whole thing about decluttering really cuz that brings up a lot of emotions in us and we can discover a lot of things hidden when we start decluttering that we're not thinking right. about so that has a whole like idea behind it but then i feel like there's the other part like the organizing part that kind of rubs me <laughs> the wrong way <laughs> and also <laughs> i feel like like maybe also sets people up for you know unnecessary failure or feelings of inadequacy when you cannot you know keep up with like you see all those like images of like the perfect pantries with the labels mm-hmm. and you know the fridge that has everything like in nice like boxes with labels and you think like that's what you need to like to to show that you have your life together and that you're mm-hmm. like organized neat trend, you know whatever like that outside idea and you can't keep up with it like you can't you know and then you feel like what's wrong with me i can't do this like there's something wrong with me yeah but i also think like there 
is the thing that we need to recognize who we are and what comes naturally to us. Mm-hmm. So not all of us are wired in a way that, that we, like what, our brains are not wired that way, that we can mm-hmm. like follow through with like all those organizing tips and tricks. Right. Um, but I mean, just like if you declutter, then you will, you know, naturally organize because you will have less stuff. People should be aware, like that's good enough. Like if you declutter, yeah. you're going to get far with that. Forget the labels, forget like exactly that. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> like, why it's the really organized important. closets, like you don't have to do it. Like that's not an ideal that you have to live up right. to. And that's also recognizing. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's yeah. a great reason why to really understand <clears throat> your personal element is mm-hmm. like, okay, this is the way I work in the world. Right. And then mm-hmm. you'll start to see your traits kind of showing up in your work and your relationships and your home. Like, so it's a whole thing. It's not just your environment. Um, so really understanding, you know, what your personality type is so that you can work with it, right? Because awareness mm-hmm. is always key. And the other thing to just remember, and I don't think we could ever say it enough, is like we don't live in a Pinterest perfect world, right? Behind that camera that is shooting that photo you're looking at is chaos. I'm sure of it, okay? <laughs> like when I do a photo shoot, there's baskets and garbage and socks and laundry and everything is disarray. Like this is life, you know? Yeah. So you've got to just step away from Pinterest or social media and just realize like, this is not real life, right? At yeah. all. So I feel like we need to be like putting out, like, was it in the nineties or when the supermodels whole boom started and, and, and we had to remind people mm-hmm. that all the pictures are Photoshopped. Like, yeah. I feel like there needs to be like that reminder now about like mm-hmm. the interior design pictures is that's all staged. <laughs> it's not yeah. real life. Yeah. And like, whenever there's like a photo shoot of someone's home, you know, you know, they've been like cleaning for like a week. <laughs> like <crazy. laughs> exactly. And then like there's a stylist that comes in and sets everything yeah, up. Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean, there's like a photo shoot is very different than yeah. everyday life. Right? Yeah. So yeah. exactly. No, that's a great point because it is yeah. so true that we just we can't look at, you know, what we see on. And, and because that that's like the biggest downfall with social media is just, you know, looking and projecting, you know, I'm not good at and it just puts more I'm not good enough right or I don't look like that or it's looking outside of yourself constantly you know no I agree I agree so like speaking on the topic of like knowing yourself and like (laughs) realizing like uh when you're working with clients like what do you see as being like the the pain points that they have or like what are the things that you feel like they struggle with the most or like maybe unnecessarily struggle with like Mm -hmm. what are some of the issues yeah I mean, I think definitely, like I I kind of alluded to it before, was them just not being able to have clear vision for themselves Mm -hmm. and what they want to to, um, implement in their homes, like how their homes can will affect them and how their homes can support them. So just kind of educating them a little bit on that aspect of it, Mm -hmm. that, you know, thing, this really goes beyond aesthetics. And even though, you know, I have clients that reach out for design consultations that aren't necessarily feng shui related, um, but I can't help to not see the feng shui, right? So (laughs) I'm working with it, whether they know it or want to or not. So I'm very mindful of that. And and I'm actually, um, I recently just rebranded and I'm actually trying to develop you know, a system that has a focus on energy more than the aesthetics 
very early on in mm-hmm. um, in like the meetings and, and stuff that's taking place as I'm onboarding a client. But really just their their lack of vision and, you know, they'll say to me, I can't, you know, I just, I'm not good at this stuff. And like, that's, again, those are such limiting beliefs that's really probably not just playing out in the way they design their home or want their desi- their home to be, but I'm sure it's playing out in other areas of life. Mm-hmm. So those are like clue words for me that that's probably an area we need to look at. Maybe like your, you know, your self-cultivation or the way you're recognized or the way you feel perceived in the world, right? Because that's a big area of, of feng shui that we work on. Um, so that's kind of like a clue for me, but really kind of unconscious to them, right? Um, <laughs> And other just storage, uh, decluttering, holding on to things that we don't need. Um, what, you know, the first step in my process, regardless if it's feng shui or interior design, is removal. What mm-hmm. can we get out of here? What is no longer, you know, what objects, what artwork, what furniture did you, you know, no longer works with your family? What have you inherited that you don't really like that you're probably mm-hmm. just holding on to because you feel guilty getting rid of it, right? Yep. That's, those are probably the primary um, things that I run into. Like I just did a consultation and there was just really a lot of mismatched furniture because it was all hand-me-down stuff. And she's like, I really want it to feel like this. And she's showing me images of these really modern, you know, (laughs) spaces, but we have like furniture, vintage pieces from the 1940s. Mm-hmm. you know, in every corner on every wall. And, and, you know, you ask them, you know, well, what about this piece? Like, is this something we need to incorporate? And it's almost like every piece. So there's a lot of like attachment to things yeah. um, that people struggle with too. So, and that, and that really goes along the same lines with the clutter, the, you know, decluttering. And I find that people, once they kind of can uncover some of those emotional attachments, letting mm-hmm. go of the piece is actually pretty simple. It's just, for some, the emotion might be too strong and they might not be ready and that's okay. So we, we don't pressure or push anybody to get rid of something, but really taking inventory of what's already in your space. Like if you really are trying to make impactful changes in your life and you really want a new design that supports the direction that you want your life to go in, you have to take a really deep inventory of what you have in your home. Yeah. And Marie Kondo was great at that. I mean, what she, you know, her message isn't new, but she, you know, got it out there in a way that people resonated <laughs> yeah. with it a lot, you know, but if you yeah. don't love it, get rid of it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. She put it in such sim- simple, like terms, like everybody can understand, like the feeling yep. of joy, like you can recognize that. So that yeah. takes away like the, like overrides maybe the, the analytical brain that wants yeah. to start like <laughs> negotiating yes. <laughs> maybe yep. and even then it probably wants to negotiate a little bit before you're mm-hmm. ready to oh ready yeah to go. that yeah. ego yeah. wants to stay engaged at yeah. all times doesn't it <laughs> exactly because it does <laughs> not want to uncover what's there yeah. like I also like recognize that I talked about this with a friend like about I was throwing out some old clothes and I like been holding on to like pieces that I really love but I can't fit in <laughs> Mm-hmm. anymore after two pregnancies <laughs> and uh but I've been like holding on to them and I I, I kind of like then like realized like why am I holding on to them and I realized like like I'm attaching like certain memories to these clothes and yeah. like it was a certain like time period in my life that was you know happy and carefree and like I I love the feeling that I associate when I see those clothes so I, I realized like I I didn't want to let, I felt like if I'm getting rid of those clothes, I'm getting rid of 
like that chapter of my life is yeah. then like although it is over already like yeah. <laughs> like it's really and you, in history but you, yeah and you like yeah you put that so beautifully because you know your attachment to that piece of clothing which is a thing that you know you've imprinted some sort of energy onto that thing so that's like a great example of how things carry energy mm -hmm. right and so like i said before that once you uncover the emotion that's like the emotion is like the a string attached mm -hmm. it's like from point a to point b and what's in between is the emotion and if you can uncover that emotion then you realize a lot of people realize okay that's kind of being silly right i mean it depends <laughs> on what it is right mm -hmm. but you know it could be something that brings up really strong feelings about mm -hmm. you know something that was you know very traumatic or something you know i mean emotions mm -hmm. goes you know they go all over the place but that's a great example of how there's just that string attached and if you can yeah. just figure out what it, that string represents then you can mm -hmm. cut the cord quite easily yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah and i think it's definitely like for me it's like if if i get rid of them like that like in a way like i know that that time in my life will never come back because it's in the past and you can't get it back yeah but like somehow like holding on to the clothes it's still like a part of me and i feel mm. like if i let them go then you know I, it will be forever lost although right. i do have the memories but for some reason and it was funny because when i was explaining this to my friend and she was just like like now that you're saying like that's it like that's because she was also like having like a closet full of like old mm. stuff that she wasn't getting rid of and I was explaining this and she was just like I'd never thought of that but when you say like that's so true for me as well it's like yes yeah. that's why I can't let them go that's so, <laughs> so good like, and you, yeah. you're even giving me like I'm writing it down now because you're giving me like a little idea like keeping <laughs> yeah. like a decluttering journal like as mm. you go through this process and asking yourself like writing yeah. down the piece whatever it is clothing furniture mm -hmm. okay what is what am I like uncovering here? Yeah, and kind of writing it down and keeping a journal about it mm -hmm. so that you maybe have a little piece of the memory, you know, to, to yeah. cling to, but you can release a little bit of the the thing itself. So yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's a interesting conversation, because you really have to tread lightly with clients, because mm -hmm. you're working with energies and emotions that, mm -hmm. you know, you don't really know how deep yeah. they go you know exactly so and yeah and they might not like know until or they definitely don't know <laughs> yeah it's like when you start digging and and that's when it all like uncovers like I've definitely like I've gotten rid of so much stuff in this past year and like and like there are days when I when I was getting stuff to the to the recycling or like where you can like donate you know, goodwill yeah yeah and then I'm like why am I feeling like I'm nauseous like I'm feeling mm -hmm. like really bad like and it, but at the same time like I didn't feel like I wanted anything like I wasn't like hungry but I wasn't like I didn't want anything to eat and I was just feeling like this weird like and then I realized it's like emotions that are coming up yeah you know inside of me that's making me like physically feel like nauseous yeah yeah that's <laughs> I, the mind, I, I, didn't, I was just gonna say that's the mind body home connection that yeah. I talk about you know it's all connected I think mm -hmm. for a long time home has been that missing piece because we've been living you know especially probably like our generation at mm -hmm. least you know we went our grandparents went through the great depression and mm -hmm. multiple world wars and like so yeah. holding on to things has been yeah, just rationing. passed down yeah, yeah like yeah. passed down through the generations and that mindset right yeah so I think we're finally collectively at a point in our like evolution that we're ready to maybe <laughs> let a little bit of that go right yeah 
Like my mom, like she will eat stuff that are like past their like sell by date mm -hmm. by a mm -hmm. lot. She's like, no, this is fine. Like, yeah, oh yeah, happy. yeah. Like, <laughs> and she's definitely like she's born, you know, in the forties, yeah. like during the war, and and definitely lived that rationing, you know. And I tell her all the time, like, no, like we're not rationing food. Here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. funny, but it's not funny yeah. because you know it yeah. was traumatic for them, and yeah, you know, growing up in that. But at the same time, yeah, I think we're I think we're ready to let some things go. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to also like before we run out of time, like I said, like you have to come back because <laughs> <laughs> lots I of questions. Keep you forever. Yeah. <laughs> like you keep talking and talking and talking for like forever. But I really wanted to talk about well, I wanted to talk about two things really before we get off. It's like the whole like idea about self-love and how a lack of self-love might show up in our home and and mm -hmm. the way we uh not just in the way like in, with to the the clutter and 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 all that but also like how maybe I think home design in the re in recent years become another way that we are trying to achieve happiness like we're thinking like if I just have the perfect house if I just have the perfect home if I just have the perfect set up and everything is then I'll feel happy and then I'll feel joy and and all that and then we spend a lot of money maybe go into debt trying to get all those you know things that look good to the outside and and you know maybe like talk about that a little bit and then I also want to talk about the whole intuition part because I think that's fascinating and I think that that's a big missing piece for a lot of us not just when it comes to home design just life in general that yeah learn to trust sure. our intuition and because <laughs> you're very <laughs> into that yes yes perfect um well I'll, yeah i'll start that. with but yeah yeah um cultivating more self-love i mm -hmm. mean it shows up in many ways i mean we always we always think that we're going to be happy when we finally attain whatever mm -hmm. it is whether it's mm -hmm. the house or it's the look that we want to present or it's the partnership or it's the money or it's the business mm -hmm. made this much right it's always in the attaining of that, that we think we're going to be happy. And it's really, you know, not that at all, right? The happy happens along the way, mm -hmm. right? So, and how do you get happy along the way, right? You find, you have to find a way to find that happiness and that joy and that gratitude in everyday moments. And who do you spend most of the time with? Yourself, mm -hmm. right? So finding that and I hate to use the word finding because you know what I find that if we're if we're always seeking something we think we don't have then we're caught up in the seeking and if you're caught up in the seeking then you're caught up in the awareness that you don't have right mm -hmm. so just having a practice that cultivates more joy and gratitude in everyday moments with yourself or with the people you live with it's making your cup of coffee not in a hurried manner it's you know, taking a, a moment while you're washing dishes to like look out the window and just find appreciation in that moment, you know, find a bird that's like sitting on the lawn outside your window and just look at it and be happy for that. So it sounds kind of silly, but at the same time, the only way to get happy is to find it in everyday moments. And I think a mm -hmm. lot of us think that, that it's, it's like the end of the rainbow, right? It's like, once I have X, I'll be happy. Exactly. So cultivating self-love looks you know it's not self-care it's not spa days and manicures yeah. and you know whatever it's 
it's part of it. You can certainly do those things and find gratitude and joy in them, but it's really the everyday stuff that is more important. The everyday things that you do with yourself. Um, you know, I actually, I did just did a podcast episode on this during, um, over Valentine's day. And so it's just, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and just, if you don't feel comfortable telling yourself, like you love yourself, (laughs) just give yourself a smile, right? Like it sounds kind of silly. Again, a lot of these things sound silly to us, right? Because we're not used to doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, but just giving yourself a smile, Mel Robbins talks about giving yourself a high five, right? Um, you know, just little ways in which you can just bring those little moments in all that you do. That's how you're going to get into the vibration or the zone of joy and gratitude, right? Because then you realize you don't need what's at the end of the rainbow. You have it right now. And as long as you have it right now, more is going to come, more is going to come because that's the path you're on, right? And I think also like, I know like when we talk about like finding joy in everyday moments, like people associate that with like that toxic positivity that we talk Mm -hmm. about, like, and that's not having to be like happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. Like it's also recognizing that you have all the emotions and you're letting all the emotions come to you, but you're like, you're not trying to push them away, but you also not gonna let them like run your life or you're not gonna get stuck in them so it's it's more of like okay recognizing like I'm feeling this way I'm triggered I'm feeling upset I'm feeling depressed I'm feeling and then like stop and look at that uh and like where's that coming from What, what what is my mind doing like what is my mind telling me and is there another story I can tell myself that mm-hmm. would make me feel so bad. I mean, I think like a lot of with the joy or like finding <laughs> or like why we feel bad and we're trying to uh, look for things on the outside. It also be because, I mean, we are constantly like bashing ourselves for all the things that we haven't done or accomplished or the things that we've done wrong. Instead of like what we were talking in the beginning, like with your journey also to home ownership, like through struggles and, you know, uh, like you could be like, bashing yourself oh I was such an idiot like why did I do that like all that uh instead of being like okay like I did what I thought I didn't knew any I didn't know any better at the time like I you know and then you walked away with so many experiences but I guess it's just like the self-criticism that we feed ourselves all the time about like past mistakes that we've done and and just like recognizing that you know it's in the past you can't do anything about it like you can't negotiate with the past like you can't negotiate it to be so it's if you keep running it into your head you're trying to negotiate it you're trying to yeah make it something different you know change the past somehow and you're not going to be able to do it so just give yourself grace (laughs) exactly I mean I say that all the time I need to give hmm. myself more grace I mean even though I I talk about these concepts and I talk about living elemental and I talk about living (laughs) balance like I'm talking like I'm repeating these words out loud because I need to hear them too yeah you know I mean that's something that you just yeah. yeah, that's not, I mean, that's a big reason why I started the podcast, like, because mm-hmm. it was like, I need to talk about these things, because yeah. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to be more aware of yeah. how I'm showing up in the world, how I'm showing up for myself, right, becoming who I really want to be and not who, who I thought I should be or who mm-hmm. I think this person wants me to be. So that, like, that's self-awareness, like, that's cultivating more self-love is just yeah. showing up to be your best and realizing that, you know, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to have failures. And so I think the best path to that is 
having some self-awareness, right? Yeah. Because really we can't change anything that we're not aware of. And so that's why I'm a huge proponent of get yourself some self-development books because you need <laughs> to start this journey. Like you have to start becoming aware of what's playing out mm -hmm. in your mind, especially if you're unhappy with how things are playing out in your life, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's also something like there's always a saying of like change your story, change your life. But I also mm -hmm. say like change the story, change your home, like change the story mm. about your home. Like stop looking at all the things that are not right or oh, gosh, they're not yes. done or like not finished or you know and instead like start looking at all the things that are really good about about your home that you love about it and you, you feel like that's the most yeah. instant and inexpensive like design fix that you can do is like exactly it's, like, you've got to think yeah. backwards yeah. right because mm -hmm. where your attention goes energy <laughs> flows so if you're focused on everything that your house isn't giving you or where mm -hmm. you're not like you were just saying you're not happy that this isn't done that's not done this is always a mess well, that's going to keep showing up for you until mm -hmm. you decide to shift it to, but I love this about my home and mm -hmm. this room is so cozy. And, and sometimes maybe you need to update something small and it can be something small. And that's, that's one thing I like about feng shui is that we don't have to go through a huge renovation or a remodel or a redecorate mm -hmm. to get the, the results. In fact, I think minor adjustments through feng shui, through awareness through rearranging are way more impactful mm -hmm. than spending over $100,000 on a renovation, right? Yeah, because you're probably exactly. renovating for the wrong reasons <clears throat> if you don't have the awareness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know? So yeah. it's like you got to kind of work a little bit backwards or a little bit, you know, right-minded versus left-minded, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely, like, before we get off, I want to get mm -hmm. your, like, you know, feng shui like tips like that everyone can do like instantly mm. to like yeah you know make the energy of their home better but before we get into that I wanted to ask about the intuition part and like maybe talk to us a little bit about like well you like I said in the beginning you were like a senior faculty faculty member at the intuition lab like maybe talk a little bit about how you got into that and what that mm -hmm. uh, that's about but also like how can we learn to tap into our intuition like just in general like what is intuition like and how can we cultivate that, learn how to listen to that, you know, mm -hmm. differentiate the, between like intuition and fear. I think like that's a big thing for a lot of people. And then yeah. how we can use that in our homes and making design choices. Yeah, I mean, intuition has a lot of um, conflicting ideas around what it is and what it mm -hmm. isn't. And really, the best way I can describe intuition is that it is your it is your higher self. It is that part of you that is connected to a realm that knows everything that is that like guru inside, you know? And so what it is not is emotions and fears and, you know, scary thoughts and instinct. Like, you know, a lot of times intuition and instinct get entangled, right? It's mm -hmm. a little bit different than that. It's, it's this higher consciousness, super conscious awareness of everything that's playing out in your life and beyond basically. Um, and that we all can tap into that. That's the biggest thing. A lot of people, there was always these, you know, negative, not negative, but the beliefs prior, I think today intuition is becoming a little bit of a buzzword, but you mm -hmm. know, prior to that, a lot of people thought only only psychics could be intuitive and you know you you know you think of crystal balls and witches mm -hmm. and things like that but 
It's not that at all. I mean, tapping into your intuition is as simple as creating quiet space and listening. It's really just listening. And when you tune out the noise of the world and your environment, you can tap into it. And it's, it, can, it can be as simple as meditation. Um, meditation doesn't always resonate with everyone, but just creating a quiet space, somewhere to go. You don't have to sit and meditate for hours or even a half hour, just somewhere quiet in your house that you've kind of carved out for you and yourself and, and, you know, make it comfortable, make it cozy, you know, whether you have a candle or a smokeless smudge spray or, you know, something that, you know, you want to have, you know, I like to meditate with a really cozy blanket for mm-hmm. my, my robe. Like I just like to be really cozy when I like go into my space. Right. And it could even just be the corner, you know, next to your nightstand, you have a small jewelry tray of just maybe a crystal and, you know, maybe like one of these, you know, little like rolly, you know, essential oil things that you just inhale for five minutes, right? It's just about creating that little space, quieting the mind, and just letting it come. And you mentioned I've been working at the Intuition Lab, and I've, I've been doing that for three years now under um, my mentor, Kim Chesney, and she's been, you know, teaching and studying intuition for over 20 years. And um, she's an amazing human being, and I'm so inspired and grateful to be working alongside her. But really, the fundamentals are kind of that first thought, best thought is kind of always the way I've remembered it is that, you know, your intuition speaks first, it comes in fast, and it can come to you in many different ways. It can come to you through an image, it could come to you through um, a word, a you know, a song lyric, a shape, a color, you know, when you kind of close your eyes, it's just what comes. And a lot of people, it's, it happens so easily that a lot of people kind of push it away because it's almost too easy because you might get an image of, you know, a bird and you're like, what the hell does that mean? But what I find is when you, if, you know, you have a notebook or a journal, you, you, you write down the word bird and then you kind of keep writing and things just start coming. Um, if you want to work with your intention, uh, intuition intentionally, you know, just asking a question, you know, and then kind of clearing space for that to come through and just quieting your mind and just writing down what comes. We always say we in intuition lab, we practice with partners or in groups because you need that other person to kind of validate what you're getting for you. That's kind of how you develop it um, to, to get it, you know, a little more stronger and trust it. But, you know, we always say give what you get, you know, just what came, right? And you might not fully understand how it comes together all in that moment. You know, like I said, keeping a journal is the best way because you can kind of, you know, go back to it or you might have like something show up that showed up in your mind's eye, right? Like that bird might show up and you'll be like, what was I thinking about right then? And, you know, you saw that bird. So it's really an interesting way to work with it. And, you know, I, I've cultivated to the point where I use it in everyday moments, you know, not just with my clients and my business, but, you know, just picking a restaurant or do we even want to go out to dinner tonight? You know, before I was always so indecisive, like I couldn't make a decision over a really (laughs) dumb stuff. And now it's funny because it's, it's like a joke in our house. You know, anytime I ask a question where there's like a decision to be made, my husband's like, well, what does your intuition say? And like, sometimes (laughs) it's really annoying because it's like, I don't know, like I'm not in the zone, right? (laughs) Like, Maybe you should just make a decision. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's literally creating like 
this best friend, this coach, this guru that you can kind of rely on wholly and all the time. And once you develop it and cultivate it and understand it, how it works with you, how it speaks to you, because it is different for everybody, how they receive their intuition. And um, I mean, it's, it's changed my life. It's, it's, it's brought so much clarity to my business. It's brought clarity to how I work with clients. Um, and I, I, I use it even in client projects, you know, again, back to clients who say they don't have the vision and they, they don't, you know, know what the end result could really look like. It's, you know, we can kind of do some of these intuitive practices and I'm, I'm starting to kind of build that out now, like what that really looks like. Cause I don't want to like scare anybody away and be like, yeah. okay, oh, well, our first step is you need to go meditate for 10 minutes. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? I don't want it to be like yeah. weird like that. But, you know, just again, like kind of that concept of the first thought, like what's the first thing that comes to your mind, especially a great example is in like a design decision, like you can't decide between two backsplashes and you're like, it's like paralyzing you and holding up yeah. the design process. Like that's a great way to kind of use your intuition and be like, okay, close your eyes and let's just, what's the first image that, you know, you can assign like two totally different images just to get mm -hmm. out of the zone of the tile. And you could be like, I'm going to give you an apple and an orange and we're going to close your eyes and you're just going to, okay, what are you getting? Is it a color? Like, is it maybe more red? Is it maybe more orange? Like it doesn't have to be a literal apple and orange, but mm -hmm. there's different exercises that you can do to kind of, and then if you get it and be like, okay, that's your intuition talking to you done. I took the pressure yeah. off, you know, <laughs> you don't have to make the decision. That's what's great. You don't, you don't feel the pressure to make a decision because you have someone telling you, right? Yeah. yeah, I always talk about like the five second rule. Um, and like some people, you know, get freaked out, like, how can you make this bad decisions? Like just like five <laughs> seconds. And, but it's like, that's, I, I don't know, tell me. <laughs> Intuition expert, but I feel like that's it. Like the first thing that comes to mind within like five seconds, because after that, your mind is already analyzing like all the exactly. options and, it, and you've lost it. Right. You're never trying to make sense of it you're just listening. It's just listening, right? It's just, yeah, all you're doing is listening. So it's a, it's a beautiful process. It's something that human beings have really kind of forgotten that we have the ability to do, or maybe we just really never knew we had it. I've heard mm -hmm. people say things like, you know, we're, you know, the human species is making this like huge evolutionary jump that we haven't made in like 40,000 years. Like when we first realized oh, we don't have to be scared of the tiger and we have, ant we can use our mind to make decisions. Mm -hmm. We've become so focused on decision-making and getting it right that we forgot that we have this whole other part of us that can kind of take the pressure off and make it a little easier. And I think that once you know how to work with it, it's game-changing because you're not stuck in that like paralysis of decision-making, right? I love it. I could, like I said, like I, <laughs> I could keep you forever. <laughs> I continue this discussion yeah so and, well, and, and the, the coolest thing about like intuition was like I had no real reason like I had no real tangible reason for even beginning to to study it mm -hmm. and that's intuition it's like just taking that next step just knowing that it's guiding you and not really questioning where and why and how right because that's like the questions that I don't need to be bothered with I just need to know trying to get somewhere and I just want to keep following these little intuitive leads and I know mm -hmm. they're going to take me somewhere because your intuition is never going to fail you it's never going to take you in a direction that is not what's best for you right it's always loving it's always supportive and so if you can find a way to trust that and I believe and Kim believes that your way to trusting that is through 
developing your intuition and learning mm-hmm. from it more, it's going to lead you down paths that you could have never decided for on your own through mm-hmm. your own analytical mind. So it's really a beautiful process. I love it. Me too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get off, just a yeah. few like final thoughts on what can everyone do to, you know, make the energy of their home a little bit better already yeah. today. Yeah, well, we're we're kind of like in a wintry time, so sicknesses and stuff. Definitely doing a space clearing after anyone is sick in the home just to kind of transform that chi or that energy of your home because it never really goes away. It just needs to be transformed. So always just kind of, you know, being mindful. Okay, someone was sick. We're going to space clear. You could do that with bells. You could do that with, you could do that with any sound really. I mean, you could just play music, right? You can run music through the house. You can diffuse oils, sage, smudge, all of that stuff. Um, Your typical space clearing techniques, keeping bathroom lids, toilet lids, and doors primarily. I mean, I, I like to say keep the bathroom doors closed just because it's just good hygiene, I feel like. And it really depends on where your bathroom is located. Like if you can see the toilet from a bedroom or another room, you should probably keep the doors closed. So money and emotions are represented by water. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason why you hear um, sayings like my money's going down the drain or you know, flushing money away or things like that, right? So, um, or my energy is draining, right? So just think of like a bathroom is always draining water away. So just keeping toilet lids down to kind of prevent the energy from going down toilets. That's a big one. Um, any, any sort of liveliness you can bring into the home to kind of uplift things. So that's, I mean, children are definitely lively pets, mm-hmm. um, even fish tanks, right? Um, plants, fresh flowers. I mean, these are all very, you know, cliche things that we think about like, oh, fresh flowers on the dining room table. It's a, but there's a reason why they're cliche. It's because mm-hmm. it's bringing life into the home. So that's good. Keeping things clean and orderly. I always suggest just kind of that morning routine. And maybe it's not morning for you. Maybe I was just having this conversation with another podcaster. She, um, her podcast is based on like shift work, you know, working midnight shift and three to 11. And she had an episode about routines and how sometimes it's not a morning routine for other people. And it was just a great, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> way to think about like, oh yeah, I guess for other people it's an evening routine, but whatever your routine is just <clears throat> a daily, like care and cleaning and doesn't have to be thorough. Just to me, it's a way of showing your space gratitude. Just, yes, I'm going to clean up after you. And like, so when the kids go off to school, like the blankets on the couch are folded and the pillows are on the couch and, you know, their toys are, their job is to take them up to their room. But I usually make a pile on the, on the steps when they go up, but everything is Put away the dishwasher's clean, a load of laundry's in, just tending to your home every day. Again, sounds like a little boring, but it's probably the best thing you could do. And that way, when you're done with your work day, you come out of your home office or you come home from work and like you don't have to worry about it. It's done. And you can enjoy your your evening, time with your kids, whatever, right? It's it has a big impact. So um Yeah, that's, I would say those are my biggest ones. And I have something on my, I have a little newsletter sign up that I have like a tip sheet. So I can give that to you too. And people can sign up for that. Anything you can share, please, we'll put it in the show notes. So that's great. 
and and also like before we get off like please share like if people want to work with you you have a great podcast like i said um living elemental or living elemental which yeah I think living like, elemental yeah, yeah you got it <laughs> yeah. i love it um i really like i was saying like sarah has such a calm and relaxing voice <laughs> i love that thank you for yeah. your kind words yeah it's so nice so yes please everyone go check yeah. out the podcast but but if anyone wants to work with you have a consultation with you like how can they find you how can they connect with you yeah my, the best place to find me is at my website jadescottdesign.com and i have the the information on the podcast on there the services we offer how we can work together if you wanted to set up a consultation there's inquiry forms right there on the site um, I also have a really nice detailed frequently asked questions section that talks about feng shui because I know that it is still kind of like mystical to some people and like, what is it exactly? Mm -hmm. So kind of lists out there, like if there are things in your life that you want to focus on, whether it's, you know, your health and wellness, maybe your abundance and prosperity, or, you know, maybe, you know, trying to find a romantic partnership or cultivating that self-love that we talked about. Those are all integrated into a feng shui consult. So um, definitely check that out if you have more questions about what working with a consultant could look like. Um, we also have an online shop. We launched that this year. So um, we launched with our spirit collection. So we have tools that help you integrate a more um, spiritual practice into your home. So we have things like incense burners and journals. Um, we have a really cool card deck that um, Kim Chesney had created that if you are interested in practicing and cultivating your intuition, it's a really great tool um, to use for that. And um, so we package that with a little smudge stick to create that, you know, clearing that space and, and an insight journal. So there's a few other things on there and we'll be adding to that more as we integrate um, some of the elemental collection. Um, these will be art decorative accessories that you can integrate into your home as, as they're based on the five elements. So if you're working with a practitioner or you're kind of you know, learning a little bit on your own, like and you think, oh, I really need a little wood element here, We'll, be ha we'll have some um, decorative objects that'll help integrate that wood element into your space. So really intentional products and um, looking forward to that coming out later in the spring. So oh, jadescottdesign.com. Yep. Back, everybody <laughs> go <laughs> check it out. <laughs> Always like a mouthful getting all that out. <laughs> no, I love it. Oh, yes. Also good. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate this. I appreciate you. I was, I'm so happy that I've met you and connected yes. with you. I feel like yes, <laughs> I've met too. like a fellow like soulmate <laughs> in this, in the design world. So it's yes, so nice. Feeling is mutual. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Oh gosh, I could have just talked for hours and hours and hours and hours with Sarah. It was so much fun talking to her. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as well and took uh, lots of inspiration and new thoughts and ideas from uh, from this conversation. And I think um, the most, or one of the most important things in our view is how important it is that we become aware of ourselves, become aware of who we are, and especially when designing a home, because our home is meant to be a space for us. It is meant to be a space that supports us uh, to live a life that we that we want. So always go within to find the answers for what is best for your home. And just the all the 
ideas behind uh, the concepts behind uh, feng shui are are super interesting and I'm for sure gonna dive more into that myself it is it is a very fascinating fascinating world and, and take on home design so if you want to talk to Sarah reach out to Sarah work with her um, you can find her at jadescottdesign.com and you can also find her on most social channels with the handle at jadescottdesign so please reach out to her she's such a fun and lovely lovely person and also please check out her wonderful podcast uh, it's called the living elemental podcast so please go go check it out everyone listen to that in any case Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I so appreciate you. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And uh, as usual, if you like this episode, please rate and review, uh, subscribe, share the episode with a friend or two. And um, you can also find me on Instagram now. My handle is at the homesis. And I would love to hear from you. So please comment there or DM me in which way and as usual new episodes drop every sunday and thursday until next time sending so much love to you and your home